Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Car Guide podcast. It is just after the holidays in January, and uh, there are plenty of things that happened uh, already in 2023. Uh, we're going to talk about that today, uh, namely the uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Gab, you were there at the CES last week. That's right. Yeah. One short trip in Vegas per year. That's enough for me. <laughs> We're also going to talk about Bugatti uh, setting sales records, and that's, that's not a big, big unit record, but still something we want to talk about, as well as Rolls-Royce uh, had a wonderful 2022 year. And uh, just before the holidays, Canada uh, set a mandate for 20% sales of ZEV vehicles in 2026. Uh, that's a pretty bold statement, and we're going to talk th about that as well. And a few cars that we have driven during the holidays. So without further ado, Gab, how was your uh, single trip in Las Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, CES, obviously, um, it's a big event. It, it was Now it's known simply as CES. Before it was known as the Consumer Electronics Show, but now it just goes by the acronym CES. Right. And basically what it is, obviously, is, um, you know, ev everything that has to do with the world of tech is there. Uh, so the event is always uh, early January. And now more and more in the past couple of years, uh, automotive manuf manufacturers have had a presence there, strong presence. Yeah. And uh, with, you know, even, even unveiling of new models and things like that. And so, it's always worth it for us uh, to go to, to CES and to, to see what's new, uh, along with the uh, big screen TVs, the new laptops, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everything else that's, uh, that's being shown there for the, you know. Right, because the, the big screens have, have carried over inside the cars. Yeah, I mean, that, you, you've been in the 7 Series, yeah, you've yeah, been in you know, all, the, all these uh, new electronics. I mean, it, it makes sense for the, 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 yeah. the, the auto manufacturers to so, go there. So there was a lot of a uh, lot of action at uh, this year at the CES, but I think we should you know uh, scroll back a little bit and say you know CES became significant for the automotive industry when Audi first showed up many years ago, right? To show the virtual cockpit, you know, which is the the screen that replaces the uh, the uh, traditional dials or uh, the cluster, uh, yes, yeah, the, the yeah. instrument cluster exactly, and so. That was the very first automotive thing that was shown at CES. That was many years ago. It was later introduced in the in the TT, and now it's in every Audi product. Yes. And now nowadays, you know, a lot of manufacturers have ca caught on to that trend of having a, a screen as opposed to a, a an instrument cluster proper. Right, because so. it, there there is there is a cost uh, 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 facet to this yeah. because you can have one cluster. Instead of having to design in your model line yeah. different clusters, one sportier, one more, yeah, yeah. one for a truck, it's the same screen. It's just the the, the software that changes inside the inside exactly. the, the, you know, the, the, the panel, the, the graphics. You can you can you can change that, and um, also I you know I think it's significant. What really made it I think CS significant for the car industry is that that's where General Motors Chevrolet showed the first bolt. That's where it had its world premiere. Right. It was at CES and not at the Detroit Auto Show, which was happening, you know, just like four days later. Yeah, which is so, quite the statement. Exactly, there. quite the statement. And now we've seen what happened. You know, the, the Detroit Auto Show has uh, 
of course, with the pandemic, but now it's moved to uh, another type of event in June. So effectively, CES sort of killed or helped to kill <laughs> the auto the, show, the <laughs> Detroit auto show in January. Yeah. So um, one thing that's uh, that was cool about this year is that BMW showed the. Uh, Uh, pretty cool looking concept car. It's called the iVision D, as in D for Delta, E for Echo, E for Echo. So, and the DEE stands for Digital Emotional Experience. So, wow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, when you look at the car, it doesn't look like much. Look, first of all, it's a sedan, you know, so yeah. to, it's not an SUV. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> so, a breath of fresh air. A breath of fresh air, sure. But it's not necessarily the styling of the car, it's more like the features on uh, the vehicle. Um, so, for example, last year at CES, BMW introduced uh, a new technology uh, with uh, their iX SUV. It was called the iX Flow. Mm-hmm. And basically, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember the, the paint? paint yes. The paint would change from white to black. Yes. Or black to white. Um, but with the Vision D, they've gone even further. So the entire car is wrapped in a sort of film mm-hmm. separated in 240 different sections. Mm-hmm. Each one of those sections can show a different color. The palette of colors is 32 colors. Oh, wow. Because exactly. it used to be like three or four yeah, shades no. with, with the, I remember that concept, but, yeah. but, but now it's, uh, it's gone even further. And they can switch the colors instantly. So it's almost like looking at a billboard, that, you know, it have flashing lights and things like that. The actual car, you know, right. the entire car flashes or changes colors, even the wheels, because they've covered the wheels uh, as well. So that was a, a, a cool innovation. Um, but again, you know, that's it's something that you can do for a concept car, but yes. you're not going to have that in a production vehicle. I don't think so. Yes. I don't think it's feasible. But the key component of this of this vehicle, one that will make it into uh, the next generation of BMW vehicles, what they call the Neue Klasse, the new class of BMW cars, which will arrive uh, on the market in 2025. Basically, Concept D shows you the new direction for inside the car and the way the information is displayed. Basically, what BMW is saying is that the age of having big screens in the car is pretty much over. Now they're going to use the windshield and they're going to project the information that you need on a head-up display mm-hmm. that does the in full width of the vehicle. And there's different levels that you'll be of able distraction. to... distraction. Well, yeah, well there's, there's going to be about five different levels. So the first one they call analog. So it's just basically the speed of the vehicle, the energy consumption, things like that. Right. Then you can add navigation. You can add communication. You can even add you know, social media for the passenger. His social media content can be displayed on the windshield, at the base of the windshield, in front of the passenger, things like that. So it's very much... It, it depends, you know, the, the, the amount of information that you're going to be able to display on the, on the, the inside of the, of the windshield is going to be dictated by, you know, the driver, the, you know, how much information you want and you'll be able to, to control that. And what it does for them is, you know, they say it's a safety feature because all the information will be in your field of vision. So you're still looking at the road right. and they keep talking about that. They keep talking about hands on the wheel, eyes on the road. Okay. And so... There's no more looking down at a screen to see what information you're looking for. Okay. It's right there in front of your, in, in your field of vision. Okay. So that's, 
That's interesting. The fifth layer, which is even weird, which is kind of weird, is that it would enable you, enable the car to bring you into a virtual world. Oh, In other geez. words, exactly. Let's say you're driving like the, the metaverse. Exactly. Mm. But you're still seeing the road, but there's all sort all of a sudden there's a sort of different environment to, to, to the, to, what you're seeing so basically you're still driving down the same boring highway right but maybe you know there's like little birds singing and stuff okay. like that and okay a different kind of so animation you, you could switch from the 401 to yeah. Malibu yeah but you're still driving the <laughs> same road but you have a different feel so that's you know that's the, the, the top level I don't think that's gonna make it maybe to the to the production car but yeah the idea that BMW is gonna go ahead and replace the screens inside the car with this head-up uh, display yes. that does the full width of the of the windscreen that we know is going to be a feature of the Neue Klasse that's coming in 2025. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about distractions with the screens yeah. and the screens getting bigger inside the dashboard. Um, you know, and then this system is probably... What BMW is facing kind of head on, to, not to make a, 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 you know, to play with words, but to be able to put it in, in, in the windshield and still having the control. I, I guess the, 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 the vehicle is going to have the control of when and what's going to be displayed uh, and what's the driver is going to have access to because at some point, if it's at night or something, you know, some information is not going to be displayed in, certain, in a certain way to keep the, driver, uh, the driver's attention on the road. Yeah, there's that. You know, but also they're like, you know, the system will uh, will present the information when the driver needs it. For example, navigation. When you're coming to an intersection, all of a sudden the arrow is going to show you to turn right or turn left and things like that. And then it will disappear. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be information overload. It's going to be able to push the information that the driver needs at the opportune time. Okay. And uh, again, the driver is going to decide whether or not he wants that or, mm -hmm. you know, whether he wants to, right. to see what track is playing or, or whatever. So, so you'll be able to choose like that, you know, different levels, different layers, and add as much complexity or simplicity as you want okay. to the, uh, the whole experience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, something else you, uh, you checked out, um, a homegrown Canadian vehicle. It's a prototype. Uh, that we spoke about at the last time we uh, before Christmas, but uh, it was unveiled at the CES. It's Project Arrow. Uh, it's a sh kind of a showcase, right, yeah, of, exactly. of everything Canadian components. Yeah, not a vehicle that uh, the company, the the uh, the, um, the uh, automotive uh, manufacturers. I think it's the A A P M A, uh, uh, the, the Parts Manufacturers Association of Canada, that uh, uh, that built the showcase. Not a production idea. Uh, at the beginning, but more of a showcase of kind of a ga gathering all the parts that we can manufacture in Canada. Exactly. So first of all, the significance, why Project Arrow? You know, so if you're a student of a little bit of history, you will recall that in the Diefenbaker era, uh, Canada produced a fighter jet, okay. which was called the Arrow, right. which at the time was the most advanced fighter jet on the planet. And the project was killed Uh, in Canada by Diefenbaker, uh, probably because there was some pressure from <laughs> the U.S. government yeah. <laughs> that Canada is going to build this this super 
uh, fighter jet. And so, but at the time, it was the most technically advanced uh, fighter plane uh, on the planet. And so the idea of catching on or latching on to that name Arrow, which sort of like um, evokes, you know, what, what Canada is yeah. capable of doing on a tech, from a technical stand- standpoint, mm-hmm. is pretty, is a pretty good idea, even though it's, you know, it's far away back in history. And, right. And maybe younger guys like you don't, <laughs> I, I, obviously I wasn't around at the time either, <laughs> but if you're a student of history, you know about the, the significance of, uh, of Project Arrow. At any rate, what was shown in Vegas is... Um, obviously, it's a it's it's a it's a one built car, right? But what's significant is that every component of the vehicle was made in Canada by a Canadian company, except for the touchscreens okay. inside, right? Because apparently, there's no Canadian company that manufactures touchscreens for this type of automotive application. Yes. How you know feasible would it be to build this vehicle? Obviously. It's got suicide doors. It's got every everything that you would see in a concept car you right. know, to, to draw your attention. Obviously, you know, suicide doors, you see that, yeah, on Rolls-Royce Phantoms and things like that, or right. ghosts, but you're not going to see that on a... On a mainstream on a vehicle. On a mainstream, yeah. you know, electric SUV. SUV. <laughs> so there's things like that. And also, you know, the floors of the vehicle are made of Canadian hardwood maple. Okay. Yes. Oh, no, me, okay. <laughs> so, but again, that's not going to fly. You know, obviously, yeah. you wouldn't have a, a wood floor in a vehicle. You're walking in with your with your shoes, with your dirty boots, right. with pebbles and whatever, scratch, scratch the floors. Yeah. You, you take off your boots before you walk on your hard wood floors <laughs> at home. So, so again, so... Um, but, uh, you know, it goes to show how, how thorough uh, they've been because every, like I said, every component, the wheels are made by Fasco, which is a Quebec company. Yes, I know. There's a, a LiDAR system that was developed by a company in Longueuil, Quebec. There's all kinds of uh, technology, all kinds of components, mm-hmm. all sourced from Canada, as I said, except for the touchscreens. And yeah. that, that shows you the breadth of what is capable mm-hmm. uh, technically here in, in, in Canada right. in terms of uh, the automotive industry. And it's significant that uh, Carlos Tavares actually showed up at their booth and took a look around. Right. So now we're talking about okay. yeah, uh, the CEO of Stellantis. That was know? the whole point of the operation exactly. to get to get the, the, the attention of, 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 uh, exactly. of, of you, know? you know, the big heads, the exactly. big honchos. Uh, so in, from that standpoint, I think they've, they've Obviously, it's been covered, you know, wall to wall by Canadian media. Obviously, yeah, we, we did it. As but well. the fact that they were able to attract the attention of significant players, yeah, uh, you know, OEMs, and maybe you know, if all it does is attract attention to the fact that you know there are all these companies, all these suppliers, right. that can do business and that can you know provide components for for OEMs and things like that, right? But as a showcase, yeah, it was. It, it, you, you, they really hit the nail on the head. You okay. Know, they, 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 the booth was kind of hard to find. You know, it's kind of like tucked away in a corner. You had to look at the map to, to find them. Obviously, yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge There's thing. small companies like exactly. Sony and, and, yeah. <laughs> and Samsung. There and and that, <laughs> that had a lot of real estate. But even as, a, you know, uh, in the automotive world, you know, uh, BMW had a huge pavilion outside, Volkswagen right. as well. Uh, that was outside of the uh, convention center. But inside the convention center, you know, VinFast was there with a huge display. Play, you know yeah. things like to, to really showcase that they've arrived and things like that. But this one, uh, the APMA was a little bit tucked away in a corner. But 
the main point is that I think that they were able to get significant attention mm-hmm. and not only from the media but also from heavy duty players in yeah. the automotive world. Did you, um, you know, from all that we've been talking about the car shows and, and, and throughout the year and saying how, how you know, sad it was and, and, you know, there was no energy, there was no electricity. When you went to CES, did you, I know you spent a little bit of time, uh, you had a lot of work to do over there, but did you, did you feel that the, there was more energy, there was more, you know? But there's two things. First of all, it was the very first CES with people actually you know no it's not really true last year they had there were some people at a, f- a physical event at CS, but it was like light yeah you know it was not not as well attended this year um if you've been to cs you know there's the las vegas convention center is huge right they have the north wing the west hall the central hall and two south halls yeah now the two south halls were closed but all the others were were open tons of people there. Yeah. This is going to be a COVID super spreader event <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right. Because, you know, there were there were thousands of people walking the halls looking at all the exhibits of different different uh, companies and, you know, maybe one in 20 people was wearing a mask. So, yeah. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> it's going to be a bit, a bit of an issue. But anyways, um, you got the feeling that, you know, uh, the CS was back, that uh, Las Vegas was back, uh, everything's moving forward. Uh, there was definitely, you know, g- quite a buzz, you know, uh, around right. Vegas. Also, a lot of the um, the autonomous drive companies were showcasing autonomous vehicles in the streets. Yes. In, uh, in oh, Las yeah, Vegas. I saw that. Well, yeah. Hyundai had the Ionic yeah. Fives exactly. there with the yeah, yeah. And so there were still there was still a person behind the wheel, but the car was you know driving people around right. autonomously. Yeah. And so again, they were using uh, a lot of the of the. Uh, uh, the uh, the companies that are involved in autonomous drive were there with vehicles showcasing that yeah um, uh, uh, Mercedes Benz were also doing uh, uh, drive events uh, you know uh, enabling the the people to get into one of their right. uh, electric cars things like that okay. so th- there was th- there was uh, that component you know which which brought the the show a little bit more alive. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, so CES. So automakers are, are still you know, they're going to move forth to to deploy or to present new technologies. CES is 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 a good ground for, Absolutely. for automakers. Absolutely. And, and when, when, just to circle back to BMW and the reason why they chose CES is because this famous Noah Classic car that we keep hearing about that's coming in 2025. They say it's going to have three pillars. You know, first it's going to be electric. That's given. Right. Second. Uh, it's going to be circular in that, you know, it's going to be produced as much as possible with recycled materials and materials that will be recyclable. Uh-huh. So this idea of circularity is going to be a pillar of the new classic. Right. And the third one is the elect- the digitalization. Yes. So the, the vision D that we were shown yeah. uh, is is exactly that. The super so, head-up display. Exactly. Okay. So that's, that's in a nutshell, you know, what we can expect. And, you know, BMW throughout recent history they've been very good at using concept cars to introduce new ideas new technologies if you look if you remember back you know uh, the iVision Next SUV I remember shown that, yep. in, in Los Angeles yep. it's now the iX yep. you know uh, electric SUV so they're using again events like CES to sh- to put you know the focus the emphasis on different you know significant technologies and all of those are going to blend into you know the new generation of BMW cars.
So next I want to talk about is uh, big uh, luxurious brands such as Bugatti and Rolls-Royce have had an extraordinary, well, extraordinary in terms of sales, depending, it's all relative to the brand and, and to the number of cars manufactured, but pre, uh, post-pandemic sales at Bugatti and Rolls-Royce have been stellar. Uh, with Rolls-Royce in uh, 2002 hitting records with 6,021 vehicles. It's an 8% increase compared to 2021, which was, you know, it was, everybody else had so much trouble with sales. We, you know, in Canada, we we, we saw our sales dip uh, compared to, to every other year because of a, a lot of excuses. And um, yeah, a recession is coming, you know, uh, or, or, you know, at least a little bit of, of economic uh, downturn. But everybody's buying 500,000 500,000 euro uh, Rolls Royce vehicles. Well, <laughs> everybody will have to say that real quick. But <laughs> yeah. First of all, you know, if you're if you're delivering 6,021 cars, which is the number of cars they've delivered in 2022, that's for the entire planet. Yes. That's the first thing. <laughs> the second thing is it's a hell of a lot easier to source semiconductors and chips and things like that for 6,000 cars as opposed <laughs> to 600,000. There is, there is, that, that, that's one, yeah, trucks. that's one asset. Yeah, so there you go. So, um, but I, I think, you know, the, the key thing is that even though we were talking about the pandemic, the recession, the economy going south, things like that, people with money, and we're talking about, you know, the, this is more than just the one percenters. You know, right. this is we're we're talking in, in even the zero point zero 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 one percenters. These people will always have money. Yeah, they will always have money for this kind of car. Yes, and if they want to buy a Bugatti, hell, they're gonna do it. That's yeah, all. that's all a, a Bugatti and a Rolls Royce. And a Rolls Royce. <laughs> but I think what's significant also with Rolls Royce is that the product offering, obviously, in the the last uh, couple of uh, years, you know, we've seen the the Cullinan SUV, yep, and which also, is most of those sales basically. It's a, but the also, bestseller. yeah, the fact that the the Ghost now has all wheel drive, yeah, and so you know, right away you can start thinking now maybe that you, you could daily drive a Ghost. It's open to new markets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. daily drive a Ghost. <laughs> but um, you know, just that if you're if you're gonna go, you know, in the past if you're gonna go skiing or whatever, you would take your your Ghost to the chalet and it wasn't snowing you're okay but if it was snowing on the way back maybe you're a little bit worried now that takes that away from right that that kind of right so the fact that uh, all-wheel drive i think is uh, on the ghost uh, a big thing as a matter of fact at the end of the month of january i'm gonna go drive the ghost all-wheel drive right on, on snow yeah. and ice in uh, in mont tremblant so right we okay should, we should have fun doing that that's a showcase of yeah. exactly what what they what what one could do with an all year ghost. Exactly, you know, a daily driver. Yeah. Um, these uh, Rolls Royce as well um, um, unveiled uh, some electric uh, vehicle. This year, I think it was a, the, the Spectre. Yeah, the Spectre, um, of course. Uh, yeah. Fully electric Spectre. Yeah. Gorgeous looking car. Uh, going with uh, the um, uh, the trend, automotive trend, but obviously, uh, you've probably heard the news during the holidays that Canada will mandate 20% ZEV sales yeah. in 2026. Yeah. That means that Rolls Royce buyers will be able to maybe put their hands on, on, a, on, on a, a Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with that. With that. It's, it's going to be very limited production, but at any rate, yeah, this whole idea about a, a mandate for zero uh, emission vehicles, you know, it's significant because if you look at where manufacturers are allocating their uh, electric cars right now, they're they're obviously 
sending them to the markets where they have an obligation yes. to sell. An yes. electric. So obviously China, yep. but Norway and mm-hmm. uh, parts of Europe, things like that. Yeah, 80% uh, of new vehicles in 2022 in Norway were, were, exactly. were, were, were EVs. Yeah. So, um, and of course, you know, there's limited production, you know, mm-hmm. there's limited reserves uh, in, t- in terms of uh, materials for batteries, things like right. that. But if you want to move the needle, in terms of, uh, because we know there's there's demand for it. You yeah. know, we, we, we've oh, seen there's it in Canada. Lists. Yeah. Exactly. People yeah. are waiting, you know, years and months and years to, to, to finally get their hands on a... So hopefully, hopefully, this will make it so that, you know, uh, electric vehicles will be uh, available in bigger numbers in, in Canada and maybe that's going to decrease the, the waiting times. But... The point I'm trying to make here is that if every legislation across the planet decides to go that wor- that route, well, then you know demand surges everywhere, exp- right? Expansionary, and yeah. uh, and 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 the the production capacity, you know, it, it, it takes a while for the for the the manufacturers to set up a plant or to set up or getting their hands on 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 the core materials exactly. for the, for the batteries. So there's going to be a bit of a you know whether or not that's going to actually occur. You know, by 2026, that's that's a couple of years couple away. Of, yeah, that's years right. Away. Yeah. It's very short. So, <clears throat> I don't know if if the if the manufacturers are going to be able to provide as many electric cars as I hope they will. Yeah, for but, but for now, on in Canada for three years, they can push their ICE vehicles as yeah. much as they can, pay for the development for those engines. And because in other parts of the world, they can't do that, but here they can still... Do, well, the, um, what I mean is the list is not going to shorten right away yeah, exactly. in, in, in forecast of 2026. No. If I was a manufacturer, I'd wait till 2026 so I can sell as much ICE vehicles that I'm, I'm making money on right away. You know? Yeah, probably. Plus also, I think a significant factor is that the fact that this, this announcement was not made by the prime minister. It right. was not made by the minister of environment. It was made by a lower level uh, bureaucrat that's that's in, in the federal government. So <laughs> A disposable... Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it'd be easy to walk that back is what I'm saying. You know, if they find out that they can't really do 20% by 2026. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, it's, you know, you have less egg on your face if you're the environment minister or the prime minister. Right. There you go. So over the holidays, uh, we both drove uh, some some vehicles, but you're the one you <laughs> drove. I think is more appealing <laughs> and more significant because you drove the the Porsche Macan T. But not only was it you know a press unit that was supplied by Porsche, but it's one that you configured and that you had built uh, straight from the the Porsche configurator. So that's interesting, and you chose the Macan T. Which is, of course, the the purest sort of uh, right. uh, version with uh, with um, you know everything that's geared towards driving pleasure. So, first of all, tell me a little bit about the experience of getting on the configurator because I know that I like to do that a lot myself uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> late at night sometimes just to go there and especially on the Porsches and and to 
to, to, to build virtually a car, but you actually did that and the car was built and it was delivered to you in order to drive it. So that's pretty interesting. Right. Yes. Uh, so back in the summer, uh, Porsche Canada said, hey, you know, we, we want to add a new Macan T uh, to the uh, the press fleet because uh, it's the first time that uh, uh, the T moniker is added to an SUV. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of slots between the base Macan and the Macan S. Uh, you don't get the big engine, but you get all the bells and whistles of a kind of a purist, just like you said before, the, the purist stuff. Uh, you can remember if you drove a Carrera, a 911 Carrera T, yeah, did, yeah. they, it has the little... Uh, uh, the little uh, latches for the handles yeah, yeah, exactly. to open them. They do. They they they, they actually have handles in the Macanti. <laughs> makes it more <laughs> versatile. But however, um, the uh, the the whole experience was when they said, you know, you want to we want to put together a Macanti, and we'll let you put it together, uh, spec it to your own liking. Uh, so it was kind of you know you know at Porsche you have so much choice, and especially. When you're not paying for it, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's easy, it's easy to get caught it's up. easy to get ta- caught up. Yeah. But that's exactly what I didn't want to do because exactly. because the, Mac- the the T is supposed to be not the vehicle that costs a whole bunch of money. Not that that you know, if we take that in the 911 Carrera, yeah. it's not you know, it's not supposed to be the turbo the the, the whole the the, the two hundred thousand dollar 911. It's supposed to be the one that's fun to drive, but still somewhat affordable in Porsche terms. Um, so well, how much was yours? Uh, <laughs> so because we had a, a, a paint to sample color, Porsche Canada wanted to show kind of that they can do a paint to sample color. Uh, it, 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 it went up to, I think, uh, uh, to be exact, I have the price here, uh, just around $90,000. But if you take that color away, it's still like a $78,000 thousand uh, dollars uh seventy seven thousand uh, dollar uh price tag on the Bo- McCanty. borderline reasonable borderline reasonable <laughs> because when i'm gonna tell you what's in it uh it's everything is optional obviously right so i i the first <laughs> the first thing I, I i i added was the heated seats because it's not <laughs> it's canada <laughs> it's canada ordered in july production in october i knew it was going to be in december yeah, yeah, yeah. and if i didn't put the heated seats everybody was going to talk about that, that there's a ninety thousand dollar truck with no <laughs> who, heated seats who designed this, <laughs> who designed this thing <laughs> uh it's uh yeah it's still a a six hundred and ninety dollar option on the porch if you we're going to talk a little bit a little bit later about comparables in the in the market and and obviously they all have uh, you know uh, most of them have have uh, uh, um, uh, standard heated seats but anyway um, uh, the Macanti has adaptive air suspension and the PASM uh, the Porsche active suspension uh, um, uh, system which is amazing yeah it is uh, the Porsche torque vectoring plus which is options that are like fifteen hundred dollars seventeen hundred dollars you know, when but you th- that make a huge difference, make a huge difference when you when you, when you think yes, yeah. when you think about six hundred and ninety dollar yeah. heated seats yeah. and a seventeen hundred dollar you know a suspension system. You know, I mean, this is good value for yeah, exactly. for, for for the driving. So, uh, and the rest you have stock. Uh, Macanti uh, seats, which are the GTS hmm. uh, seats, which are very really comfortable, good, yeah. really good seats. Uh, you know, interior trim, carbon fiber, but it's still cloths uh, seats, which is which is you know, it makes you. I, I find them much more comfortable and and they look a little better. Uh, but uh, however, it's it it goes with the bare minimum yeah. Macanti uh, or the T denomination uh, look. Uh, on the road. Uh, exceptionally fun to drive. Obviously, it handles very well. Uh, it, it, I, I 
you know, personally, I I would not buy myself an SUV now, and uh, because I'm I'm a I'm a short sedan guy. However, the Macan always kind of stepped up the game for me. You get in, inside it, and it's like it kind of reminds you of a sports car, and it's a good it's a good balance between a, a larger family SUV and a, and a sports car. But throwing this thing with the suspension and the torque vectoring uh, I, in a curve and just coming right out of it, it's, it's, you know, it makes you forget that you're kind of in an SUV. The only thing I didn't like is that after you've driven the, the, the Macan GTS and you have, you know, the, the, the big engine, all yeah. that power, yeah, exactly. I mean, the it's two sort of, it's sort of a bit of a letdown on the throttle. It is know, sure. The four-cylinder engine. I mean, it's it's got a little bit lower power than you know. For example, an example that I like to compare with with the Macan is the new GV70. Well, yeah. it's not new anymore, but 2020 GV70 when it came out, it's got a whole. It's got a, a four-cylinder engine, but it's got 300 horsepower, 311 foot-pounds of torque. Whereas you're at 260 and 295 with the Macan engine, the four-cylinder engine, it's a big difference. You know, yeah, it's, it's a big huge, difference. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, the drive selector on the Macan is is amazing. Sport, Sport Plus. It's things that you don't get in a GV70. Sure. Along with the torque vectoring and, and, and the PASM and stuff like that. So, the, you know, if you had to compare the two, which are a $20,000 difference, for instance, I didn't make the math, but you'll have a fully loaded GV70 for 55000 and you'll have a partially loaded, you know, Macan T for, for 73,000, but you'll have a much more uh, sportier, a, a much sportier driving experience with the Macan T, much more uh, 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 purebred sport. Uh, yeah, uh, you so, know, so if you're a driving aficionado and you have to drive an SUV, yeah, that, that would be, the Macan would be, a, would be a good choice. But I see your point about the, yeah. the, the lower power for sure. That's yeah. right. That's right. So overall, a good experience. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you uh, obviously, uh, everybody can check out the review. It's going to be, I, 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 the truck, I haven't had it for, for too long. I'm going to write the review and put, all, put up all the pictures and the specs uh, on the website. Um, you have driven electric, uh, yeah, uh, yeah the over the holidays, uh, Volvo C40 recharge. So obviously not a new vehicle, you know, so it's, it's been around since, uh, for, well, yeah, it's relatively recent. Um, but, um, you know, it's to me, the, the, the key thing was, you know, driving it in winter, obviously it's, it's, it was a little bit cold, uh, in Montreal over the, over the holidays. Yes. And so, you know, in terms of, um, the autonomy of the vehicle. In perfect conditions, if it's 20 degrees outside, you're going to get like maybe 360 kilometers out of it, things like that. Mm. But obviously, mm. in winter, yeah. uh, with the lower temperatures, you know, obviously, you know, 30% of that is just gone right away. Right away, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> I never really got more than than, than 300 kilometers out of uh, mm-hmm. out of a charge on, mm-hmm. on, on this vehicle. Um, having said that, you know, it, it, it drives... It, it it's typical, you know, typical electric vehicle, high torque. You know, you find a, a hole in traffic, you just squeeze the throttle and you're there. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know, that kind of dynamic. So it's kind of cool. The one thing I don't like about it is the regen. The regenerative braking, obviously, on, on this vehicle is, is, is the same as on every electric vehicle. However, um, you can either have, in terms of the one pedal drive, um, you know, we know that on certain electric vehicles, you can adjust the amount of regen right. and, yeah. you know, according to how much you would like. Mm-hmm. So to use the brakes a, a little or not yeah. at all and things like on, on Ionic 5, you can use like five levels. Yeah, which is and, pretty good. Or the Kia EV6. On the Volvo, it's on or it's off for, right. one, for one pedal drive. And so 
what happens is if you leave it in one pedal drive and you get to um, uh, stop, for, for example, or whatever, and it's uh, the road is icy and you don't realize it, you get off the throttle and right away, you know, you have so much regen that the car starts to skid. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. So in um, in winter driving, I would not advise if you <laughs> would not advise one pedal driving at all. For that's for interesting that Volvo winter. wouldn't wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't exactly. have thought of that. <laughs> when you think of how much you know they're concerned about safety and things like that, yeah, so, and how much they know about winter, exactly. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I did when I noticed that, of course, is switch off the the one pedal drive, and right. and then after that, you drive it like a regular vehicle, and you get the regen when you brake when you, you actually use the brake, yes. but you're in control of just how much slowing yes. down you're doing and you're not upsetting the car if you're driving it, like I said, on, on icy, uh, icy roads, which I've had to do yeah. uh, in that time. Um, the, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, the uh, C40 versus the XC40. A lot of people talk to me yeah. about that and they say, well, you know, the C40 is kind of this, the, uh, the sloped roof line. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. the fast back look. The fast back look. Oh, yeah. It has less cargo space. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, 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 it functions on the, the, on the same drivetrain, but yeah, it's exactly the same. But how different, you know, if you've driven both, uh, how, how different do, you, do, 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 do they feel, you know, the, the C40 and the XC40? There is zero difference. <laughs> <laughs> it's exact, That's what I thought. It's, it's, it's exact same thing. Yeah. It's just a question of look. Yeah. It's just a question of styling, whether mm-hmm. or not you're, you're going for that. Yeah. You know, personally, you know, I, I'm not a fan of uh, coupe-like SUVs. Yeah. You, know? they, you I, lose so much yeah, out of them. I, yeah. I, they have no interest for them whatsoever. I'd yeah. rather have the, the regular. Yeah. If you're going to buy an SUV. Yeah. Just buy an SUV exactly. and kind of <laughs> and be done with it. But that's you know that's a personal call. This week, uh, the uh, we've heard on the uh, on the um, from Mazda uh, that they uh, will finally unveil. They, they, Mazda's been talking about this for so long. You know, there was rumors about Mazda bringing back the uh, the rotary engine, and we knew it wasn't going to be. The rotary has, as as we knew it, because exactly. this 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 engine, the 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 uh, Wankel, uh, as, as they say in the principle of how it was born, uh, was uh, terrific in size and weight. But the problem is that it could never take that much power or that much, you know, uh, 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 um, compression from the turbochargers, for instance, because there was always some kind of mechanical issues with this, the apex seals on the uh, on, on the rotors with the RX-7s, for example. And then came the RX-8, which was low in power and not turbocharged, but very low in power. And it was, you know, it wasn't well, a big success. Yeah, I, I would say this. It wasn't necessarily low on power. It was low on torque. Yeah, low yeah, on torque, th- right. Th- low on performance. Awesome. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So that's the, that's the thing about you know the rotary engine very smooth running Mm -hmm. you know almost no vibration yeah no compression no engine braking at all very small (laughs) and uh high revving yeah uh but again low torque and very difficult now with the emissions regulations that we have yeah to make it compliant right obviously so as a main power source to drive a car you know, Mazda keeps researching it. I, you know, I hope they find a breakthrough. You know, I'm a fan of yeah. the uh, of the the rotary engine, right? But uh, you know, way back from driving the 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 the, the Mazda 13B powered Formula single seater cars, so the sound of that uh, that yeah. that engine is so particular. So yeah, I'm a fan. But you know, right now I think the the key thing that they're going to use it for what 
it's it, it's going to be a good application as a range extender. Yes. So when you think about it, you know, the, it'll function pretty much like a uh, generator. Yeah, exactly. Pretty yep. much like the Chevrolet Bolt. Yes. You know, running at a, or the uh, the range extender and BMW i3 mm-hmm. compact uh, car. If yes. You remember that? So <clears throat> basically, it's going to run at a steady speed, a steady RPM. And it's not going to have a direct link to the wheels at all. It's just going to be a generator producing electricity for the electric motor right. of uh, of the MX MX30. So it's going to be good because you know the the range of the MX30 is very ridiculous. Very, very limited. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very really limited. a compliance car. Is yeah, what it was. You know, especially for the California market. Right. And um, now with the range extender. Yeah, you know, you can you can sort of make a play for the fact that maybe you can um, you can you can look at it as a as a daily driver now, and you know, obviously plug in it at night and do as much uh, mileage as you can with uh, the electric engine. But if you need to go further, you know, there is that that, right. that alternate uh, supply of energy right. that's coming from the gas tank and the uh, the rotary engine. So I think it it, it gives the, the the vehicle a fighting chance to. Yeah, to continue. Yeah, because yeah, it's know. been designed for for fully electric, and then yeah. it's not having that much success. No, obviously, because th- their philosophy is different. You know, they wanted to go for a small battery, a small electric motor to keep the driving dynamics uh, of a of a Mazda. of a Mazda. Yeah, and so it, it is the lightest uh, EV on the on the market, I think. And uh, because very, very it's a, it has it. such a small battery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but their thinking was, you know, just that the smaller battery, less. Minerals you have to mine, right? Less uh, materials you have to use, mm-hmm. less weight, less yeah. energy consumption. And their thinking is like you know most drivers don't do more than 160 kilometers in a day. Yeah, you know. So and and that's true. So if you're only using it as a commuter vehicle and you're charging it every night, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, you know. But uh, reality if, is is. But if the reality is, if you're going to go long distance, yeah, then the range extender makes right. it worthwhile. Right now, it can only be a city car. Right. You know? And in a way, it was designed to be that way. Yeah. So, you know, so we'll see. With. We'll see what they come up with on. Uh, I think it's January thirteenth. Yeah, they're going to show it in Brussels. I Brussels think, yeah. uh, Auto Show. Belgium, yeah. Um, for my part, next week I'm going to heading t- uh, to Morocco uh, to drive the Porsche 911 Dakar. Woohoo! <laughs> the Dakar is one of those rugged, uh, uh, you know, uh, iterations of the rugged creations from the uh, from the luxury and sport car manufacturers and Porsche. I mean, I, I think the purists um, don't really uh, like. Uh, this particular vehicle because I think the 911 <laughs> shouldn't be jacked up and kind of strolling in the desert. Uh, but it's still a looker. It's very, very beautiful. And it kind of goes along the line of the, you know, the, the, the Lamborghini Storado that you, yeah, exactly. you, uh, you mm-hmm. saw in, uh, in, uh, in Miami. In yeah. Miami. Yes. So, uh, uh, a pretty cool, pretty cool adventure. We're going to go see how, uh, this vehicle comes with all kinds of liveries. Now it's going to get a whole bunch of publicity, obviously, because, uh, it's, it's, it kind of brings and back uh, uh, the 911 Dakar to the old days of Porsche and uh, I'll be able to report on that on the next episode. Yeah, meanwhile, while you're going to be uh, sunbathing in Morocco, I'm going to be <laughs> going to LA uh, for a deep dive of the uh, Mazda CX-90 SUV. Right. So the top flight uh, Mazda SUV. So I'll be able to uh, tell you, uh, we won't be able to drive it at that time, but okay. we'll get to know uh, all about uh, the various drivetrains that are going to be coming 
uh, for the CX90. So we're going to be busy next week as well. Plus, there's the Montreal Auto Show. Yeah, in between up. those two, there is uh, the Montreal Auto Show. Montreal Auto Show who uh, lost, well, in Canadian auto shows. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it again and again. A lot of manufacturers uh, gave up on uh, the auto shows, but there's still a lot, go- quite a bit going on in Montreal. A few car collections are going to be there. Uh, some Ferraris, some, uh, some, uh, some, some vintage vehicles as well, and a few manufacturers showcasing, uh, uh, obviously, cars that the mainstream vehicles that people can get in. And hopefully the Montrealers come out and uh, uh, see uh, what's new in the automotive business, but we'll be able to report that. You can follow us on the website and on social media. We'll be, we'll be there all week, obviously, and uh, after that for episode 8, we'll be able to report our impressions on what we saw at the show and everything we've mentioned. So, Thank you very much for being there for episode seven, and uh, we'll uh, speak to you in a couple of weeks. All right, take care. So long. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.